Well, we're back after a little bit of a hiatus. We're here on episode number 22 for the Rub Wrestling Podcast. We hope, well, I hope you guys missed us. We missed you. Um, you know, we're dealing with a few things on the outs, um, a little bit of an illness, a whole lot of work coming into the, the back end of the schedule, but we're back, ready to rumble, and we're here for all your wrestling news, rumors, banter, you know, Anything you possibly think of. We're going to talk about a PLE today. We're going to talk about some gossiping in the news. And we're going to talk a little bit about drugs. Because that's what we're going to do on this podcast today. Anyways, with us, remember, we do have an email address. You can hit us up at therubwrestlingatoutlook.com if you want to let us know about any questions that you have for the podcast or any rumors that you want us to discuss. Um, we are there for that. You can also hit that follow or subscribe on many of the uh, different areas where we can find a podcast. Um, basically, Google, Spotify, you can find us on YouTube. We're doing really well on YouTube. And you can also find us on Apple if you need us. Um, but, yeah, you can definitely find us and hit us up on Spotify if you want to hear it through your car radio. That's what I uh, like to do uh, in my time off is listening to <coughs> us and how great we are. But other than that, we do have our illustrious panel. I'm Matt, your host. We got Chris and Josh. Chris. You know, a little bit of a crazy week. I uh, heard you were a little bit under the weather. Are you feeling a little bit better? Uh, yeah, I'll tell you when you get older and you start getting acid reflux uh, and you have to sleep sitting up and you don't fall asleep for hours, then you dry heave and lose your voice. Yeah, it's you know, it's great getting old. I can't wait to be 41 in just, uh, what, eight, nine weeks maybe, which is fantastic. Um, do you want to know anything else about about my week or well, I mean I think other than that I mean I just have a funny story to add I ate at an illustrious pizza place in Sudbury probably the most illustrious one I'm not going to name in case we get slandered on the internet but uh, I uh, I basically crushed uh, three quarters of a large pizza to myself and my mom had two slices when I was there over the course of like 12 hours and I went to bed and I had the exact same thing I had like acid reflux so bad that I was like coughing and almost choking and couldn't get it up it was so bad but other than that I haven't had a bout since so um yeah my uh my job is talking on the phone so once i dry heave and then can't talk the next day it, it's not very comfortable they all are you sick i'm like no just tell me why you quit your job <laughs> <laughs> and i missed i missed both of your radio faces yeah radio face i'm actually for the first time without a beard in like four years and so i shaved it off i woke up at three in the morning and looked in the mirror and i scared the living shit out of myself i'm like who's that fucking ugly bastard in the mirror What's going on? And then I kind of looked. Oh, well, my my wife. Go ahead. My my wife would probably think I was robbing the cradle when we first uh, started dating. I met her teacher friend, and I went to play catch with some guy I met. And the teacher said, "Is that one of your students?" She's like, "No, he's thirty five years old." <laughs> oh shit, Josh. Other than that, I've been hearing you've been crushing at work. You don't have to tell us our job or anything, but I hear you've been crushing and uh, you've been doing things. And I saw some pictures of some great food you were eating all week. So out of when you were at your conference this week, what was the best dinner that you had out of all five days? Oh, um, so I went to this Italian restaurant yesterday and they have like fresh homemade mozzarella and fresh pasta. And it's just like a whole experience. We, we also went to, you know, a steakhouse. It was good. We went to see Jagged Little Pill last night, the musical. It was it was all right. I mean, I like Landis Morissette, but the story was interesting. It, it was not what I expected, but I thought it was good. So I was happy. It was nice to be in, uh, out at a conference and hanging out with some cool people. So That's good. fucking awesome. Did they play the song about Eric Lindros? Which one is that? I don't know. There's like a hate song about Eric Lindros in that album. Uh, there's there's oh, a thing about fuck. Eric Lindros or it's Dave Coulier for another one. So, but I don't. Oh, yeah. Dave Coulier. Yeah, so, cut it yeah, out, just man. Cut, just cut it out. But other than that, since Josh saw Jagged Little Pill, uh, we're going to all tell you guys, all listeners out there, what you ought to know about Crown Jewel 2023 that happened on November 4th. We're going to kind of kick it off with a couple of different uh, matches that we're going to go through. The first one we're going to start with, we're going to start with Solo Sokoa versus John Cena. Now, this wasn't a great match, gentlemen. I know that we talked a little bit before the podcast started about the whole situation um, with how it went. Basically, match was pretty one-sided. John Cena did his comeback thing at one point, and then basically Solo Sokoa spiked him about 15 times in the throat to end the match. 
and uh, everybody in Saudi started the whole thank you, John chance, and it uh, kind of looks at this point that it might have been John Cena's last match. Now, it didn't say anything. He never said anything at the end. He did one of those long, glaring looks. Now, Chris, when you look at something like this, John Cena's like 50 years old. Um, that's not an exaggeration. I'm pretty sure he is 50 years old. He's basically got a bald spot in the back of his head. Nothing wrong with that. We are we're all getting old. But I think at the end, is this John Cena's last match for you when you think about it without him saying anything? Or do you think that he's going to do something that has a bigger send off? Yeah, I think uh, I don't I don't think that's his last match. I think when his last match comes, it's going to be marketed as his last match and just a question to you guys about like the saudi crowd how much do they how much do they know and how much do they follow they they knew all of the all of the theme music when people came in they sang Seth's theme music they sang cody's um i would honestly say i don't know if I'm, i'm gonna assume that they know stuff about the dirt sheets maybe not as much as we do i don't know somebody can probably let us know via email if they can but um, they definitely follow the product and the brand from what we've seen because they literally were the ones that started the thank you John chance at the end. Well, I guess that partnership is working if they're making new fans who actually follow the product. Uh, small arena though, a eh? little bit, but um, um so no sorry, bad. yeah, uh, yeah. John's seen his last match. I would assume it's going to be marketed pretty pretty big and. It's it's got to be a SummerSlam, WrestleMania, Royal Rumble match, right? Like you can't. This is it's you know it's these are kind of the shows that they kind of throw together, um, which is usually happen. I think I think it would be someone other than Solo he would go out on. I think I think it's going to be a bigger name. Like you know, honestly, LA Knight. LA Knight to to put his shoulders on the mat for the last time would do it for me. Yeah, you know what? It's kind of interesting to see how the whole thing's going to play out because it definitely doesn't feel like it's the last one for me. So, Josh, I'm going to ask you kind of... Uh, i got a question for you, then I'll ask you both a question related to, uh, to pretty much John Cena that'll kind of be a more broader question. But when you kind of look at this, and he, he doesn't look the same in the ring, Josh. He looked really slow. He looked like he had to get ready. He was talking two weeks ago on SmackDown about how he had to get ready and in match shape. Um, do you think if, if he does his retirement match, like Chris is talking about on one of the grander stages, do you think that he's going to have a buildup for it? And if you could pick anyone on the current roster that he could finish his, you know, his career with and have a retirement match, which with the current roster, who do you think that that would be? Cause I don't see him in a world title picture at any point. I don't think anybody else does. I think that's a given, but who would be strong enough to carry him a match? Like kind of Chris, Chris goes with LA Knight. Who, who would you say at that point? Oh, I think, I mean, if it's going to be his, like, real retirement match, this is my last match, I don't know, maybe you go some someone historic. Um, you know, who did he have a huge pass with? Did He, he must have feuded with Brock Lesnar a bunch. Like, I know he's not going to be going on a fucking 40-minute bang or anything like that. It's going to be, you know, like 10 to 15 minutes at the most. Probably we'll have, you know, some high spots, some humor, stuff like that. But I could see um, him going with, you know, like I said, like a Brock Lesnar. Even, why not Roman Reigns? You know, he's he's the GOAT versus GOAT. I, I'm not saying, like, I like that. But I think that if you're going to give John Cena, who is, like, arguably the man who carried your company for a, a big chunk, in the, who made WWE what it was after the Attitude Era, um, <clears throat> or, you know, and... I think that you give him the biggest match that he can have. It's Sola Sokola can't be his last match. It's 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 not that there's anything wrong with that. Him getting beat up by Sola Sokoa, getting destroyed by that, gives Sola Sokoa that rub. But it he didn't need it. Like he did, John John Cena's not expected to win that match. And I agree. He looked sloppy and but you know, the actor strikes over, so he'll be he can be gone for years. And fun fact, he's forty six no, I, I thought he was in his fifties. So, not quite. Nope. Forty six. Beautiful show. No. So, good. Um, good eye, Josh. I appreciate that. That's for sure. That means that we're old. No. Because you know we could have went to high. You could have went to high school with them. I got. I got. <laughs> I got six years to get a, a, a John Cena body for so I can go on Jimmy Fallon one day. But I, <laughs> I doubt that'll happen. Now, my fact or fiction that I have for both of you. Now, there's so many different styles of wrestling and so many different. Um, brands that are out there. You're looking at AEW. We're talking about New Japan. We're talking about Japanese Strong Style. We're talking about all this. And um, this question is very subjective. 
to what we've seen, but what we've watched, we've watched John Cena since the Attitude Era going through it. My question to you, and we'll start with Chris with this one, is John Cena the greatest of all time? No. No, I, I, I don't think so. Um, his his promos are okay. Uh, like, I don't mind them. Like, he comes he comes and he makes it interesting, but I like his wrestling style, I've, I've never been about it. I I don't think we watch John Cena to watch him wrestle in the ring. Um, no, no, he's not even in my top ten. Wow. So okay. So greatest of all time, Chris says no. Let me change the let me change the spectrum of this question to Josh. Is he the greatest sports entertainer of all time? Um, maybe I no. Probably not. I think that he's in the top three. I mean, for if you you know, yeah, sports entertainer. I would say that like for wrestling, he is the the goat branded wrestler. He is you know the wrestler like the uh, consummate um, company man. I, I think he, he when you're talking goat, it's hard to because like you know our our pod is like wrestling heavy, and you know like if you're gonna say he's the goat. Like if his in-ring performance isn't great, then you know, I I'm just not sure that we would get him as the number one. But I think that for how popular he was for how long and how like you know him being in the the front of the company for as long as he was, he was definitely the face of the company, and I think that you know gives him reason to be considered one of the goats because you know they they put the company on his back for a while. Absolutely. Turn him heel before he goes. <laughs> the only time he's never been another, uh, the only time he was ever heel was when he was basically that, uh, starting out with his rap character there on SmackDown. But, um, fans just ended up loving him, but I have to agree with everything you kind of both said. I think as a wrestler, um, John Cena understands the craft. I think he's a good storyteller. I, I don't think he's the greatest wrestler on planet earth. I think he's very strong. He can do a lot of things that a lot of people can't. Um, but I think the the thing that hurts him is the thing that people loved about him the most. It was the five knuckle shuffle into the AA into the STF. You know, it was just stuff like that where there was no, there was never really he never really had to change his character for those moves at any point. And I think that's when Chris made a great point. He's like, turn him heel. I think if he would have turned heel, he would have had to make some of those adjustments to stay relevant. But I think for as long as his career goes. He was one of the only guys that never really had to reinvent himself. He was basically the same person over and over. Um, and, you know, he was great with kids. And I, I totally agree with what Josh said. He is the number one branded wrestler on planet Earth. Like, when you look at a lot of the stuff when it comes to the stuff that he has and how he performed and, and how he did everything, that's the reality of what it is. And I think that's what puts him in. Josh, I think you said it best. I have him in the top three for sports entertainers. I have The Rock first. And then I have to put Triple H up there because I thought he's he was he did an amazing job for years and years and years, um, and it doesn't mean that anybody below that top three is is bad. They're just they're not. I mean, we can make a list of fifteen and people would be all over the place. But I think the three that you really talk about from our era that we watch in our generation, um, and, and like kind of just after I think the Shawn Michaels generation. And the Bret Hart generation would have been those three guys. It would have been The Rock, it would have been Triple H, and it would have been, um, you know, John Cena. Those were the three that were there. So, really interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see. I really hope he does get an appropriate send-off at some point. Uh, but we'll, we'll just have to wait and see what happens after that. Now, for basically the second match of the night that we're going to talk about from, uh, from Crown Jewel is uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, everybody's favorite prime superstar with uh, Logan Paul. So we'll talk about him a little bit. Um, and he was in a, a match uh, for the United States Championship with Rey Mysterio and actually performed pretty well. He actually won the match. Um, there was a little bit of controversy at the end, a little bit of a potential swerve or something that could be coming later on, but um, that's something that we're going to kind of keep an eye out for and we'll uh, we'll ask with the questions. But um, Chris, we talked about Logan Paul and how he had some losses before on the previous podcast and what he needed to do to be a legitimate superstar. Um, nobody was doubting his in-ring work. In fact, he's, he's far ahead on his in-ring work in a lot of cases that we've seen. Um, 
based on his performance in the match and going back over it, is this a well-deserved victory, and is he worthy of carrying the WWE and United States Championship at this point in his career? I uh, I strongly think so. I think he's only he's only wrestled stars, and he's taken the losses, and they wouldn't keep putting him up against stars if it looked bad. And like I said when I texted you guys, when he... If he if he saved Rey Mysterio, then like if he's that far ahead, like uh, like like ring psychology wise, I think he's got a I think he's got a great career. I think putting the belt on him is good. Like he's he's he draws. He he is so like he's he's a big name. I think it's a good start. Let's see how he does with the the U.S. Championship. Let's see how he does with the belt on him. Let's see if the crowd kind of. You know, embraces it. Is he is he gonna go heel? He's mostly been heel, so I imagine he's gonna kinda keep that. Um but yeah, I, I I think he's just I think he's like a Kurt Angle. Like he got in the ring and he just had it right away. Like it's just something that came to him. He's super athletic. Like he, he does a lot of a lot of really great moves. Um and he he snaps him off. He's he's not dangerous in the ring. We saw him save Rey Mysterio's yeah. neck. Like I was telling you guys, I said, like if that's on purpose, like he's he's he really gets it. He really gets it. Um, so, yeah, and there's probably a reason why these guys want to work with him. If if he's that good of a worker and he's safe and he protects the other guys, uh, like he's and he said he's retiring from boxing. He's full time wrestling. So I'd like to see it. I'd like to see him there every week. And if I do. If you put a belt on him, I assume he's not Brock Lesnar, so I assume he's going to be there more often. But I, I'm interested. It's 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 got me because I, I think he's got the look. I think it, it, even once he starts learning how to do pure on wrestling promos, like he's holding his own, even though he's not two seasons in it. But yeah, I'm uh, I I am patiently awaiting awaiting like what what his whole career looks like in wrestling. I think a lot of people play characters. And I think Logan Paul's just like really playing himself. And I think that's the funniest part here because I think a lot of these, a lot of wrestlers that start out and they start out in developmental, they don't have a lot of acting ability. They've been, you know, athletic, athletic people their whole lives, but they don't have that charisma. And he's, he's got something a little bit different. He doesn't have to create a, a character here. He's been behind a mic. He has a podcast. He's not, you know, he's, he's, Used to being in the public eye, he's used to having all these things that are kind of happening when they go through the motion with it, right? But I think when you're looking at it all the way through, um, he he is comfortable, and I I have to agree with what you saw. Like he was great at saving Ray in the ring. Um, he's an athletic hand. He does a lot of stuff that's really really good when you kind of go through the motions with it. Um, and and I I mean I had nothing nothing bad to say about his match. I I actually anticipated him to walk out with the title because that's what it felt like. Um, you know there was a couple little things that happened. And uh, Josh, I don't know how much you saw. Is this a match that you really saw in full when you were going through? Now, so with this yeah. match when we're going through, I'm gonna kind of steer away from Logan, but I'll get your thoughts in a second. But um, what are your thoughts on um, the kind of what happened at the end with the brass knuckles where? Santos Escobar steals the brass knuckles off the guy, catches the guy, hops the fence, and then basically puts them back on, you know, the ring so that Logan can get them to use them. Um, when you look at a lot of it, is this is this like a, a swerve thing? Is this going to be something that you think is going to lead into Ray and Santos going at it? And uh, is this something that's going to kind of take Ray off the shelf a little bit and let Santos Escobar run with the LWO? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I kind of we were joking about it when I was when I was watching it, and I was like, "Oh, he comes out and makes the save, and then conveniently places the brass knuckles right back on the ring." <laughs> and I think it opens the opportunity for them to be able to say that uh, you know, Rey Mysterio is uh, needs a feud with Santos Escobar, but it could just be like it's an, it's it's not part of the story, but like it's just kind of funny and it's ironic. Um, but yeah, it would be interesting. I agree with uh, you know everything that Chris has said. Uh, Logan Paul is uh, very impressive. I'd I'd be interested to see how he does wrestling week to week. Like I would like to see him in a program with somebody and wrestling every week to actually so sh like show that he can wrestle and not just do a pay per view. Because if he's just doing pay per views, then he's got four weeks to prep with the guy and you know like. 
I want to know that he's actually able to do the work as opposed to just being able to plan one match because you know that's kind of what the the story is is like is that's the question is like can he be a full-time wrestler and I don't want to be like just like Chris is saying is like I would not like to see him be like Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns like he's probably going to be there every week but I think that you know, for us to believe him as yeah, the, yeah. What are you doing? as like a real long term wrestler, he's got to put in the, the dates. He doesn't have well, to do you know two hundred days a year, but well, like well, he best. should be wrestling you know at least hey, well, three times me, a month. I yeah, I, and I, I have to agree with that. I, I I think like one of the unique things that we're seeing here is that he's he's kind of been bred to 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 kind of have a strong go. And and you look at some of the other people, like I love what he said at the very end to Rey Mysterio, where he walked up to Rey Mysterio and basically said to him at the end, he said, I just did what I had to do. And that was actually really interesting when we went through it, because it's actually a vet thing that he actually said there. And Ray's like, you know what you did, blah, blah, blah. And there'll probably be a rematch at some point. Um, and 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 that'll be great to see. But there's more of the story that needs to be told, which is going to be great to see. And I think it's uh, it's really interesting. But um, both, yeah, uh, moving forward with Logan, I think he he's a hand that could really just, so develop into something like big. And like you know, the, we talked about the, the early contract and what it brings. And you know what, with Prime and Prime Energy and everything that they have going on, oh, um, being with the company that they're in, and they're looking at a lot of those things. Um, you know, it's. It's just it's a win-win for both for both groups. Everybody wins with it. So the more power they give to Logan, and the more he shoots up the ranks, the better it's going to be for business. The better it's going to be for social media. And I think it's just uh, time will tell if he can really slot into that upper echelon of um, what the WWE is offering um, for their product, right? Uh, so. Other than that, I think that's pretty much it for uh, for for Logan at this point. We're going to kind of talk about the main event of the evening, which was kind of a unique one. So um, it's Roman Reigns against uh, LA Knight. So Roman Reigns, obviously, he retains. He's going to pick back up. Uh, that was for the Undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Um, so Roman comes out on top, and um, I don't know. It's it's. I, I don't think any of us really thought that the title was going to change hands on this PLE. I, I really don't think it was ever going to happen. Um, but LA Knight kind of had a strong performance here. They kind of played him off like it's his, you know, his first big, uh, you know, main event or his first big title shot that he's had in WWE and that the pressure could get to him. And uh, I think Michael Cole did, a, did an amazing job really trying to sell that. And the announcer did a great job trying to sell it all the way through the match. Um I personally felt it ended a little bit abruptly, but um, Chris, was there anything here that was really out of expectation? Like, did LA Knight even have a shot here, or is this something that where he's a build-up going up towards WrestleMania or towards SummerSlam of next year to potentially hold this belt? Uh, there were rumors, like there were a lot. I, I read some rumors where, but uh, like there's no source to it, so I didn't think. I, I think I texted you guys like, have you guys read any of this? Do you actually think this can happen? Um, I think Crown Jewel is is one thing. Like they gave Logan Paul a title shot. Like you can you can test somebody at Crown Jewel, right? So they don't take it as seriously as they would to continue a storyline. Like they because La Knight's not going to wrestle. Like he's not going to wrestle Roman Reigns again. But I think I think that what they do with these shows in some of the main events, giving these people like. You're giving them experience. I, I mean, I know LA Knight's been at the... He's been in main events in Impact, but that's totally different than WWE. And the fact that he performed well, I it, obviously none of us... We, we knew he wasn't going to win, right? So, but I do think it's good put, to put him in that position. I think he deserves it. He's worked hard. And hopefully that's not his last main event. But yeah, it's... uh. It, it gives them a chance to kind of put a measuring stick on people. They can put somebody against somebody against uh, Roman Reigns. You know, you know they're not going to win, but you can see you can see how they perform. You can see how they perform from the crowd. Can they handle the pressure of a main event? Will they be the same in ring? Is way better than his last PLE match. So. So that's yeah, good. I think you have to have these tests for a lot of people, and I have to agree. You know what? It's something that doesn't happen get to happen too often because it's it's kind of like. I don't know. It's it's a little bit different with AEW when you're kind of looking at AEW because the fans have to pay like such a uh, kind of a, a big price tag to get to one of those pay per views, right? So you they have to knock it out of the park. Where WWE can kind of play with their programming in and out, 
And, you know, with the 12 PLEs a year, they can kind of tinker with a couple of them to see what happens. Now, I don't necessarily agree with it because if you want a PLE and it's premium, you want to really knock it out of the park. But um, I do agree to have these matches. They're important. They're, they're part of development. You're trying to put somebody in that spot. And, and I think it's not about having one guy in the slot. It's trying to have four or five potential guys that could step in at any moment if needed that could headline a pay-per-view. And I think that was what WWE's strong point was a long time ago, and they don't have that anymore, right? Like, like so Josh, I'll ask you, like, you think of what the WWE had before, like, you had Triple H, you had The Undertaker, you even had Kane, The Big Show, you had Chris Jericho, you had all these other guys that could step in on a whim and become a world champion if they needed to step up, and that would have been a headline draw. Now, with Roman's title shot and with what we're seeing with a couple guys, we're seeing that lack of development um, is do you even think at this point? Like, I mean, it's. I think the odds are still yes, but do you think that LA Knight is going to be considered for a title shot? Because look what we've seen with Sami Zayn. Look what we've seen with some other people, and even like with this Cody finishing the story, we don't even know if we're going to get the payoff for that. Do you think that there's a chance here that he might not even get that title shot, or might not even get that title to get the ball and run with it? Um, I mean. It's hard to say that with how well he's doing that it doesn't happen. Like, I think that if he continues to get the pops that he gets, it's just, again, kind of things that, like I've said, like, if they get to choose how much TV time he gets, like, you've already we've already seen how far Sami Zayn's fallen since his organic, uh, you know, uh, being that being that organic, like, draw that had they continued it, they could, you know, not to say that he's not getting attention. It's just that, like, they didn't strike when the iron's hot. And so I think that there's a chance more, there might be more of a chance where this is more of a buildup for him to take, like, a Seth Rollins title, you know, take that title instead when they do the when they do the draft next year and have him drafted to the other brand and maybe, because I don't see him as being, being the one to beat Roman Reigns and then, you know, would he be the one to beat the one who beat Roman Reigns? I just, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of worry that, like, WWE is in the habit now of having these prolonged champions right like and it's it's even trickling down to the intercontinental champ like it's in that championship as well which makes that championship more um you know prominent but then it also takes away like the opportunity for those young up and coming guys like you know up and coming guys that you can put the ic title on them two or three times in a year and then it leaves them, you know, kind of in waiting for the world champion. But you still have those guys, like you said, like with the Undertaker. It's just that you don't have those guys because they're just not putting them, putting the title on them. Like that's the thing; they just haven't chosen to do that. Yeah. They, they are, their guys are there. Like Kevin Owens is that that guy, but they just refuse to put the title on him. You know, He's Drew McIntyre, yeah. same thing. Like those guys, they could do it. They just don't write it like that. Roman Reigns has been the story. The bloodline's been the story. It's just kind of like the. I don't know how the fans put up with it when the match finishes every three months that he has a singles match or every four months that he has a singles match. It's the same finish. And it's like, okay, enough is enough. Is it going to be WrestleMania this year? Please make it WrestleMania this year so we have a different story because it's the same finish all the time. Yeah. It's, I just want yeah, to jump in. It. Sorry, yeah, Matt. Oh, good. Uh, um, so, like. If you kind of look at Roman Reigns, um, once you're in a storyline with him, you're hot. Once you get out of that storyline with him, like, because Sami Zayn was, like, who's been hotter than Sami Zayn? And then all of a sudden, he's off the storyline. And, yeah, you're right. Like, he's just he's just dropping. Like, he's, he's, he's just falling. They tried to put the tag titles on them. Still, you know, you don't get, unless he's, because right now, Roman Reigns is running it. Unless you're wrestling Gunth, or, uh, sorry, Gunther, yeah, Gunther, Gunther right? Yeah, is that right? Yeah, so unless you're wrestling him or or you're in a storyline with Roman Reigns right now, I feel I feel like it's hard for all those other guys to to get over. I have to disagree with you a little bit. Um, I've watched around the last couple of weeks, and I think with Sammy's move over and and Sammy switching over, he's actually getting back to that prominent level because he gave a really good promo on Monday night. 
Um, and yeah, I, I agree with you in the sense that if you're if you're looking at the timeline from when everything happened at last year's WrestleMania, like to before an elimination chamber to now, yeah, he's definitely dropped. But I can start seeing it kind of tick back up now that he's not with Kevin Owens, right? And I think even, like, if you go to WrestleMania where they won the tag titles, it was great. It was kind of like, okay, boys, you worked hard. Here you go. Let's put you together. We'll give you a, give you a main event. We'll give you a WrestleMania moment, right? But I think there's more to this story for Sammy to really be told. And I think, like, he's going to be obviously a main player on Raw um, because now they're really developing on Raw kind of a, a more of a system. Like, the, the biggest problem that you have on Raw now is other than Sammy... Um, you know, I, I don't know if Cody's over there, if Cody switched over, I can't remember, but you have basically Sammy, you're going to have Cody a little bit and you'll have Jey Uso and then you have the judgment day. And it's like, who do you have after that? <laughs> that can really kind of step into those things. There's a couple guys that are, I mean, you look at that, IC, that, uh, whatever it was, the IC number one contenders match. And that kind of looked, they had some, you had some good names in there too, but you need a little bit more to go through, but Sammy looked like really kind of engaged, really empowered on Monday night when he gave that promo. And that brought back kind of those goosebump moments to when he was giving them before at, at elimination chamber. So it, it, it's going to be interesting to see. I think it's going to move him into an upper echelon, but I don't know if he gets there. I mean, we're looking at these scenarios where, you know, what do you like? I almost feel bad for the person after that wins the title after Roman Reigns because if they don't have like at least a six month reign, it's going to look like a complete failure, <laughs> right? And it's like in the in these modern modern times in wrestling where you have these twelve premium live events or pay per views that are going on a year, and um, you have to have some title changes at those. Like that's just the the modernization of pro wrestling. Like we don't need to go back on like okay, I can get. I can understand giving Gunter the Intercontinental title for, you know, a year and a half just to get Honky Tonk Man off the books. But, like, is the goal... I think... Uh, Go ahead. Sorry. I think what, like, because usually the IC is your springboard to a championship. Maybe they're just leaving it on him to kind of develop everything to get... And then have him lose and then get him in the storyline. Yeah, you know what? I had a topic for next week's that I forgot, and I thought about this this week, and um, you know, it, it, the topic didn't come to fruition this week, and that's fine because I totally forgot about it. But it, it, I think something that we should talk about next week, and I hope I remember to write it down, or somebody reminds me, is to just basically talk about how the infrastructure of these title belts and these companies are really affecting storylines negatively, and and what could happen. Because we're we're talking about like, like to me a U.S. champion should have to defend it on American soil, like I mean they they shouldn't they, you don't have to have the U.S. title defended in Saudi Arabia like you should have your universal champion and your you know like your world champion have those belts defended in something like Saudi Arabia. You go to Europe and you go to these other places like go to Australia. Your IC champion should be the one that's doing that too, right? But like like if we had a policy where we didn't have to defend the U.S. the U.S. belt anywhere else but in the u.s it'd be great right and it's like mm -hmm. it's the role of yeah. and you guys like i always said you know what my favorite belt was in wcw it was the world television championship because it was defended every week and you can get invested in whoever was that's, there right um and that's the yeah, point josh what are your thoughts on that like i mean we'll talk about this next week but i just thought like maybe we could talk about it now because of how crazy it gets <laughs> Like on how the like where the belts are defended, I kind of agree. Like if you call it the U.S. title, um, I yeah, I I find that like the Saudi the crown jewel is just like it's a throwaway pay per view. They're putting on a show and they're bringing the biggest stars because those guys are fucking trillionaires. Yeah. Like they they gotta they gotta bring in. And I think that I I was looking at the venue and it looks like it was more of like a stadium than anything. I don't even know if it was small. It was just like the way that the the, the stage was set up. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Some I, I think like the AEW pay per view schedule is a little bit better because it allows the stories to develop, and you don't you're not just like ramming things down your throat. But yeah, they made a lot of money just being going to Saudi Arabia. Oh, they, for sure. You know, whether it's or not they put on a good show, yeah, it's definitely a promotional event, right? And it's it's definitely treated as such, and they they try to treat it as a regular pay per view, and I don't think it really works that way. Anyways, we'll come back to this about the belts later on. We'll figure out this this infrastructure that I had an idea for that I thought was interesting, but it's, uh, it doesn't necessarily work all the time. But I say in both 
both places bring back have a world television champion. I think it's a great idea. Um, with that being said, we're going to take our uh, take our thoughts away from Crown Jewel here. We're going to move into uh, kind of some rumor mills, stuff that really ties into kind of like some of the AEW talk. Um, one of the big things that we're hearing on the internet right now is that, uh, you know, basically Will Ospreay is coming to the end of his contract with New Japan Pro Wrestling, which is going to basically make him at this point the biggest free agent in professional wrestling in 2023. And the sweepstakes have already kind of going. We're hearing that Impact is a place that uh, would really like to have Will Ospreay. We're actually hearing, or sorry, TNA Wrestling. I apologize. Impact is dead. It's TNA Wrestling. I might say Impact a few more times, but we'll have a, a counter on that. But basically, Will Ospreay has a blank check, in my opinion, to go wherever he wants to go. <laughs> And uh, I, don't, I don't know if you guys agree with that statement, but um, we're going to switch it up. AEW, we'll start with Josh. Josh, Will Ospreay, we watched him live. Um, you've seen his work um, on television. You've seen it in person. You've seen it on PLEs. Um, I personally believe that I think for myself, he's probably in the conversation of the top three best wrestlers on the planet. Um, where do you think he ends up? And uh, could my, my first question to really kick it off is, can he go anywhere? Like, is he really that good? He can just go anywhere he wants, right, at this point? Oh, yeah, for sure. He can go anywhere. But I think that he ends up in one of the two major promotions. I, I, think, I think that Tony has enough money to throw pretty much at anybody and that if MJF is kind of up in the air and it doesn't happen, if he goes if he does end up in WWE, that Will Osprey is a, you know, perfect substitute, uh, different, different, different character, of course. But I think that, he, I mean, if WWE is wants him and they want to pay pony up the money, he goes to WWE. If, if it's about money, that's where he goes. But if it's about wrestling, then I think he goes to AEW. There's no chance he ends up at TNA because one of the two major companies will pay him. I mean, okay, if he ends up at TNA, I know he's been there doing the thing, whatever, but I think that ultimately he, because, you know, he'll, I think he'll end up all elite most likely, but uh, if he was in WWE, if he signed with WWE, I would not be surprised. So Chris, you kind of, you kind of, nobody can really see on our because we're watching on screens. But you kind of gave a glance with the with the TNA thing because there was a lot of, there's been a lot of um, news saying that he would be happy. In fact, he just wrestled there. He wrestled Speedball Mike Bailey, and that match was really, really good. Um, if you if you did get a chance to watch it, um, really, really technical. Mike Bailey's actually up there as one of the, probably the most technical wrestlers and probably most fun to watch wrestlers um, in the world today. And um, you know, it's a, that's a major coup for, um, you know, TNA when they picked him up in, in the signing, but uh, the knock on him is he's a little bit small. Anyways, besides that point, they had a great match, but Chris, you you seem to think that with TNA that he has a shot of actually going there. Do you think that this is a high shot of him going there, or is this just something where, you know, you're just kind of like, you're reading kind of the, the rumor mill and you're kind of, you know, adhering to that? What are your What are your honest thoughts about this situation? Uh, no, I don't totally disagree with Josh. I just think there's more like he's testing the waters with TNA. Like he's he's been there a little bit recently, right? Um, I think like once his NJPW contract ends, like he gets to go anywhere he wants. He gets to wrestle in London multiple times. If he goes to WWE, he's going to wrestle London once a year. Um, I just think I think TNA, if they're smart and they're really talking about like rebranding as TNA, I think they should pony up the money and really try to take a run at him. I think so, but um, WWE, I he might try it. I hope if he does go to WWE, I hope he doesn't sign like a six-year contract. I hope he signs something short-term because I don't think he's going to like it, and I don't think they're... I, I'd love to see him and Seth Rollins, though. I, I would love that, but I... AEW is probably. I agree with Josh. AEW is where I'm putting the most of my odds on. I think he's playing. I think he's playing the field pretty well right now. We keep hearing about Seth Rollins. I think, in my opinion, the WWE is probably the the place that he least, um, like probably the the place that has the less odds of him going. And the biggest reason that kind of happens at this point when we're kind of having this conversation is that you know you're also forgetting that he has a stake in Revolution Pro, right, up in England. And so when you're looking at that and you're talking about kind of the English game, 
AEW and TNA allows him to kind of get back. And I think one of the reasons why I'm not throwing out TNA is that he has the ability to make a deal with RevPro and TNA to kind of do shows across the globe at this point. I don't know if he would have as much with AEW. Now, I'm pretty sure if he had a contract and he asked Tony, Tony would probably be willing to do it. Send some stars over there. Do whatever you're going to do. Do that around Wembley time when you go across. But I think that you could have more frequent matches with <coughs> TNA and having set up and getting and getting more people out of his school in that from Rev Pro into TNA on a regular basis and, and having people do their journey that way. So I, I, I think that they're the front runners. I think the WWE, the problem there is that um, there's less flexibility. I think... Chris, you're right. I don't think he's going to like it. Also, on a personal level, he's diagnosed autistic. So that plays a... If he's not comfortable with where he's going to be in those areas, it's not going to be the same, right? So I think that could be a reason why he's been with New Japan for so long. But he's gaining more comfort now wrestling in North America. And that was something that he never had a long time ago. We didn't see him coming to North America a lot back when he first started with New Japan, right? And now he's talking about his body. No, bro. Yeah, you know, he's no, bro. Now he's talking about his body breaking down. He's talking about a lot of these things that are kind of coming up. And there's a lot less time in his career um, than what people actually think. This guy's not wrestling till 50. And based on his style, he never will. So um, I think this decision is a really important decision for him. It'd be really interesting to see where he goes. Now, where, where, where does he rank um, as like probably one of the best wrestlers on the planet? For me, he's in the top five. He's going to have a great match. He's going to have better matches with people in WWE and better matches with people in AEW than he will in TNA, in my opinion. Um, and we've already seen the type of matches that he can have in AEW. The question is, where does he go from there? Right? So it'll be really interesting to see um, what happens with uh, that basically moving forward. So that should be a, an interesting concept, and uh, hopefully we get to see some Will Ospreay in North America soon because he is a, a peach to watch, let me tell you. Now, um, what else were we talking about in regards to AEW, guys? I kind of forgot some of the topics here. I'm a terrible host. I don't know. We've already run 40 minutes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was uh, trying to think here. Oh, uh, tag, teams? tag team stuff? Yeah, there's something else that we were talking about before that too, I think. Um, but I, I was going to do the tag team one last, but I can't remember. Um, let me hold up and let me just see here if I can find my quick notes. Man, this is real professional, so good for us. Um, yeah, I think what we were talking yeah, yeah, about, you know, we're kind of one of the other things we were talking about is kind of getting ready for full gear going into on, uh, I think it's November 18th or 19th. I think it's the 18th. Um, in Inglewood, California. Um, some of the cards already been made. We got MJF wrestling twice again, just like he did in Wembley. Um, but one of the matches that kind of really stands out there, um, there's a couple matches that really do. We got Cassidy and Moxley going again. Uh, we got Hangman Page and Swerve Strickland 2 happening. We got some Sting and some Darby Allen and some Adam Copeland against Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, and Nick Wayne. And there's some other matches there. But one that we want to talk about is uh, the newly formed Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho tag team, beautifully called the Golden Jets. Um, you know, basically challenging the Young Bucks and, and to a match uh, in this on this card. And it's got a, a kind of a, a, an interesting stipulation where basically if um, you know, Jericho and Omega win, they basically get the Young Bucks uh, World Tag Team Championship shot that they basically won. And if the Young Bucks win, the, the Jets must disband as a team. So, Josh, when you're looking at this match, is, is this an upper echelon match? I mean, we were talking uh, a couple weeks ago about the tag team division and how, you know, we're going to see FTR and the Young Bucks 3, blah, 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 and how it was kind of boring to us because it was for a title. And now we're kind of seeing this kind of interesting thing happen where we, we don't really get to see a step for a title opportunity. Um, do you think that this match has the ability to really um, create a storyline for the next couple months that will be sustainable um, for, for Jerrica or Omega? Or do you think that this is going to lead them down a path where they fight? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think you go either way. I really don't. At, at this point, I can't tell. I, you know, do they dis, do they create the Golden Jets to just break them up immediately? I think you know, if this was WWE, I'd say they kind of will like wait for a crowd reaction and go with it and see 
will keep him going for a while. <laughs> I'd kind of like to see the story go a little bit farther. And then that, you know, could create a, you know, have a feud with the Bucks and, you know, not to say split up the elite, but it's like Hangman is kind of off and doing his storyline with Swerve. I'm anticipating a third and final fight after this one, whichever, you know, whatever happens. So I, I think that the, I think that the story will continue and that uh, the Golden Jets are going to win. I think that that's the way it's going to go. Give them the, give them the title shot and let them you know run with it a little bit the story's been interesting i think jericho i think it's time for him to start you know getting down that retirement train and not to say that i i still think that his in-ring work isn't terrible it's just not what it was like but i would say that i enjoy his wrestling more than i enjoyed he he shall not be named so (laughs) oh uh chris uh what do you want to add here (laughs) <laughs> oh no i was just refocusing okay my so anyways my question for you then chris is going forward as you kind of look at this matchup and we'll kind of uh piggyback off josh there we talk about chris jericho's in-ring work and you know his his age getting up there and his lack of mobility that's kind of come through um i kind of compare his uh his his physicality being diminished a little bit kind of like what we're seeing with matt hardy a little bit where it's kind of it's just it seems to be a lack of a very strong lack of mobility that's happening. And I think somebody said it on the podcast before, like the minute he can't do the moonsaults is the minute he should hang it up. <laughs> but it, it feels like it's definitely getting to that point. Like I'm not denying that the guy's in great shape, but it's the bones are starting to kind of tighten up. The muscles are not contracting like they used to be. So question is here is uh, when do you think it's an appropriate time frame for to Chris to wrap it up at this point? And do you think that the Golden Jets really do have a shot against the Young Bucks and that they can move forward as a tag team on a decent timetable. Uh, yeah, I definitely think the Golden Jets have a shot. And uh, I think we're seeing a lot that Jericho is starting to get tagged with people, um, younger people who can kind of carry a bigger part of the match who are more technical, who can do high-flying things. And Jericho's kind of there to... He's, he's kind of turning more into like a brawler and... He does his like he can bear he can barely do his jump his uh he can barely do his drop kick when he like he's he's really close to not being able to do that too the drop kick yeah. off the the turnbuckle so I mean I, I I think he knows it I think I saw a thing today that he's fifty three um like that's getting pretty old not so, forty six I mean yeah like like obviously obviously don't step on Sting's toes like this is Sting's time for the legend to retire so I think after Sting retires I think we have I, I think the best idea would be to kind of put Jericho in in something like that where there's kind of like the farewell tour and like he has his last year I just uh, I think if Sting's retiring I think Jericho should be next and I I mean it's hard you love Jericho right you love Jericho but yeah he's I mean it's not as fun watching him wrestle anymore. No, it's not. And I think he's always going to kind of be around in some capacity, whether it's with his band, whether it's with a podcast, or, with, or like he's not going to never not be around professional wrestling, right? Like that's just the way it is. So I think it's really unique when you kind of look at him and all the hats that he can bring to a table and to a promotion when, when you kind of look at what he does. Um, the podcast helps build build stuff for what he does with his podcast. There's, there's lots of things that he, he has the ability to do, and uh, I don't think it'll be his last hurrah. I think he'll be around, and um, he kind of might be like this, I you know, I wrestle one match a year type deal, and, and, and that's okay if he does that for the next few years, like after he retires, right? It doesn't matter. Um, he'll still be able to do some of it. But just not on the full capacity that he's doing right now. He's, he's to me. It seems like this is like he's always taking some time off and, you know, run its course, take some time off, then come back and always have the ability to kind of adapt that way. And I think he, we might even be close to having him do that again, where he just might need a break for a couple months just to get off the road, right? So tough to say. I mean, when you're looking at the quality of this match and you kind of look at it, I, I love the step. I think the step provides so much to this match. Um, I love the banter back and forth, how they were calling the Young Bucks a bunch of whiny bitches. And, and just kind of looking at all these, you know, nuances in the match. I mean, Kenny's going to carry the workload, I think. 
for a lot of it. But you know what? The beautiful part about Jericho being in a tag team is that Jericho could probably take a beating for 10 minutes and then let Kenny do the hot tag and run in, right? So that's where kind of that high-flying stuff is going to come in, and Jericho can just kind of stick low to the ground and do the stuff that he normally does. I think it's going to be a really technical, well-told story match when we get to that point. So um, I'm really hoping it's going to be a banger when we look at it. Um, going into our last topic for the night, we're not going to talk about MJF and Jay White. What we are going to do is we are going to save that for next week because basically um, Full Gear is going to be on the 18th. Um, today we're running. It's basically November 10th. I think we're going to be able to have a really good conversation next week about talking about the Mass Man. We're going to be talking about the six people that beat up the Acclaim last week and a lot of stuff like that. I think that's going to headline next week. But one thing we definitely do want to talk about is kind of this... Um, not really a loss of the w, uh, of uh, the AEW tag team titles, but we're kind of seeing some really unique things with the tag titles, um, where you know we're having a potentially looking at potentially a four way, and and how this basically started was me and Chris were talking earlier today, and Chris was like, "Where the heck is the House of Black?" He's like, "I haven't seen them in forever," and I'm like, "They've been showing up, and it looks like they've been kind of putting their, you know, their hands looking at Starks and Big Bill." So they're not going after the Acclaimed here. The Acclaimed kind of made a shot at them, uh, you know, for the trio's title. I uh, made a comment there on Dynamite. But I, I really do think that the the House of Black is going toward the tag team titles. And what we kind of want to talk about is, Josh, when you look at, you know, the House of Black and you look at Buddy Murphy or Murphy and you look at, you know, um, Brody King and you look at, you know, um, Malachi Black in this whole, Alistair. you know, Alistair Black, oh, right, Malachi, right. Alistair Black, Malachi, Malachi Black. Malachi. There we go. So we're looking at Malachi Black, and we're looking at this group. Um, are they viable contenders to the tag team titles? Like, do you think like they've been World Trios champions? Like, I mean, obviously the first thing that comes to mind is yes, but do you find that one of them gets left out, or do you feel that? They're gonna have to go to like a free bird rule for the tag titles for them to be really relevant um, to have the tag belts with that group if they were to win it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that they can they can do that for sure. Uh, I think any any one of them could also be a singles wrestler. I think that uh, Malachi Black, I mean, is obviously the leader of the group, so you know he's a clear choice to be a singles wrestler. But Brody King. Come on, like I mean, he could be the heavyweight champion. Like I, you know, he's that uh, impactful that you know I think that he could be there too. So it's just that there's so many people competing for it, and I think that the the group is. I like that they're not going back for the trios because it allows the acclaim to have it for a little while, and I think that they'll recompete for the tr for the trios eventually, and you know, run that division. I I kind of like their like what they do they don't need it they don't need a title on them to to get over and i i think that's the, one of the things that i hate about AEW the most is that everybody's got a goddamn title and also like i'm kind of like not to say that like chris i think it was you and i that were talking about it like how roh belts are being defended on AEW programming and like it's really like it should be AEW focused like roh titles should be defended on ROH and I agreed with you on that one so I, I, I yeah I, I think that um, I, yeah I, I, I don't know maybe they'll win I doubt it though I, I'm not going to keep I'm not going to put money on it well you know one of the things I was even thinking about like when you mentioned that about the ROH titles and everything that was going on you talk about Samoa Joe and Samoa Joe just recently dropped his uh, the, uh, the ROH television title right and basically just dropped it and said that they weren't going to do it anymore and then automatically he was in the next, um, you know, he was in the next promo with MJF trying to get on the MJF train for the world title. So it looks like he's trying to focus in on that. So I think what we're kind of seeing is we're not, we're not probably not going to see the ROH titles be defended as much. And I think when you put them on AEW stars, they're going to get defended on AEW TV, right? So I'm kind of hoping that MJF actually does lose to the guns just because. I think it would be good for the guns to be on ROH TV and actually be defending them there because I think that's going to help their development for what they're trying to do. Mind you, they're in one of the biggest stables that we have right now, which is fantastic. But um, on an aside, Chris, you have a question? Yeah, I, I like you kind of get it when when he bought ROH, like why you would defend those titles on AEW TV. There's a lot more people watching AEW. 
But I, I get it, it's kind of detrimental to it, right? Because, like, why are you defending a different 100%. promotion's belts? Like, yeah. And I, th- I think what, what it kind of brings to is, yeah, it does bring down. And, 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 and on top of that, when you're kind of doing ROH and, and that crossover with AEW, then it kind of makes Josh's topic and what we've talked about earlier with how many... <laughs> Like, how many titles do people have? Then there's even more titles, and it just becomes irrelevant at that point. But back to the House of Black situation, when we're kind of talking about I want to talk a little bit about Brody King. And you know what? We haven't seen a lot of him, um, and he is probably one of the most unique wrestlers that AEW has that is, um, you know, not really visible to every single person as of yet. My question to you, Chris, when you're kind of going through... Is is Brody King right now the most underutilized talent that AEW has? Yeah, all you have to do is you see his finisher one time, you're a fan, right? And like he's he's stoic. He's 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 really good at what he does. I think he's a I think he's a really good worker for a big guy. I think he can actually move pretty well. And then you see that finisher, and it's like you're hooked. You want to see it over and over again. It's it's great. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, he's kind of like, you know, he's, he's secondary, right? He's the enforcer to the two other, the two smaller guys. So, I mean, so yeah, you're kind of underutilizing him. He's just, he's just, if we do the free bird rule, I have a feeling like the way I would book a free bird rule is, is I would do it strategically, right? Like if there's, if it's big bill and, and uh, Starks, I would put somebody with Brody King. You want to match that size with the size. And then if it's smaller wrestlers, Brody King would be on the side, right? Yeah, 100%. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just, I, I've been a fan. I, I didn't know Brody King until until he came to AEW. And sometimes, like, they just throw a wrestler into him and he just does the finisher. And, like, it's nobody's, I don't think anybody should ever ever i think they should protect that finisher more than any finisher more than the end of days for sure and i think like like uh, just before we ask that question to josh in a second one of the things that i always thought when i looked at um a couple like probably about a year ago that i thought would be probably one of the craziest stables that you could ever create would be get rid of the viking raiders routine and just put those two guys and brody king together and that would just be they were so good before they went to the oh, WWE. Yeah, they were unbelievable when they were in NJPW and even on the indies. And uh, you know what? Then they go and then they really buy in. And now you got this girl being Valhalla, and it's fucking all Nordic and weird. And it's not weird because it's Nordic. It's just weird because it's Vikings on TV, and it doesn't make any sense in professional wrestling, in my opinion. Um, but Josh, back on Brody King, is is he the most underutilized talent in AEW? The most? Oh, I got. Unless you I have mean, somebody else, I mean, I if I uh, that'd be great to hear if you do have somebody else. But would you say he might be one of them? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think I, I I think that I'd like to see him on television more. I think that wasn't there for a while. You know, when Vince came back, uh, that you know, like we're was what happened with Malachi. I'm not sure. Maybe like you know, with the fact that he was kind of off television for a while, sim- similar to, um. Oh shoot, Andrade, you know, like they were off TV, so like their storyline stopped. And like because Brody King and Buddy Matthews didn't have or you know, or Malachi Black was away, that they didn't really have anything going on. I would say that I would argue that Buddy Matthews is just as much as underutilized because his skill set and his like physique are are you know are awe inspiring. So like I think that he could you imagine him fighting Will Osprey? Like that would be <laughs> like what kind of match would that be? And I know that he's in a tr- like Australia, that's the Australian thing is that you see some of these talents fest. and you're just like like that would be awesome. But yeah, Brody King for sure. I think that the big men like he's another big man, but he's like a different. It's like a I don't know the his finisher is one of my favorite to watch. Just the way it yeah. ends, it's like it looks so good. Other than Bam Bam Bigelow's greetings from Asbury greetings from Asbury Park, Park, baby. Same same thing. It's so destructive, and we've only seen it a couple times. Well, Steiner used to do it too. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, Steiner had well Steiner had the uh, Steiner screwdriver, right? His was a little different. It was a suplex, like it was a front uh, suplex into the pile driver, right? 
and the fallaway fallaway botch every time yeah. he did it. The the, the backflip slam. I uh, probably broke a few necks doing the Steiner screwdriver. That's why he stopped doing it. <laughs> so, but um, but yeah, like I mean, great points here. I mean, you know what? When you kind of look, I thought well, like something that was really entertaining, and one of the, one of the things that I absolutely loved was when Brody King was coming out with uh, Julia Hart when she would wrestle, because it's just she's so small and he's so big, and it just. He's kind of like I, I think that's cool that he kind of went out as like the kind of the manager, the the caretaker manager in a way. It was pretty sweet to, to kind of watch that. But yeah, I think I I would have to say he's very underutilized for what they do, and I think um, they can do a lot with him. It's just that gimmick with the House of Black to kind of push it is kind of hard because you have to use all three guys, and it's a dark gothic theme, and those those don't normally get over very well unless they're going to be top draw. I mean, the only time we've ever really seen it in mainstream where it was top, top draw, the two that I think of was like the corporate ministry and potentially Raven's Flock. And Raven's Flock wasn't even on the top. They were just top of the ratings for a bit. The Brood? The Brood. brood. There, but yeah, <laughs> that's another one. And, and that's probably one of the more, didn't even think of that, but that's more one of the more successful ones when you kind of think about it. But even the Brood at their time, they still weren't main event level, right? Oh, I want to jump in Go again. Ahead. Sorry. Um, so like, uh, like jumping off what you said, like the House of Black, like they, they actually do this gimmick completely right. Like this is how it should be done every time you do it. It doesn't get stale. It like, People love them. Their entrance is, is fire every time. They go in and they just like stare at people and say like, "Yeah, we're just we're just here to we're here to do our job." So they they run that gimmick like it should be ran. It's it's fun to watch. I yeah, like it's them like a lot. lights go off and then lights come on. We're here to fuck shit up. Like that's what it is. <laughs> so and they just stand there. They stand there. They hold their ground and just stare at them. They're like, "Yeah, we're we're here to beat you." Got it. Now, with that being said, our topics are done for the evening. Josh, what slices your salami, man? Throw it into the grinder. Tell us what you got. Yeah, okay. So, you know what really slices my salami? Um, when there's uh, no disqualification when weapons are used and the referee no- sees it. And, you know, like, it's fine when they have a no DQ match. Um, but... You know, I'm of the days where, you know, Eddie Guerrero could pretend to be hit by a weapon and a DQ would happen. So I just like it's part of the kayfabe. I think that I wish they, you know, they they were a little bit more structured and uh, they kept to uh, that the rules. It's the same thing that, you know, same with, you know, the tag matches when they're not enforcing the tags, you know, like the five second grace period. So. Um, but yeah, so no DQ when weapons are used really slices my salami. Yeah, I think that slices all of our That's salami. a really good one, Josh, actually. Because, yeah, like just like uh, Matt was saying with, uh, you know, the U.S. title should be defended on, on U.S. soil. Like, why do we have rules for matches? Like, it was like, yeah, if you use a chair in a in its uh, normal match, yeah, you should be disqualified. But we see it all the time, so... That was my favorite slices. Yeah, it's a good one. Bad refereeing and bad logic. Logic. What I always say about professional wrestling is professional wrestling is illogical. But when you're following anything with rules, the rules have to be logical. Because if not, then it just fucks everything up. It just makes everything convoluted. Right. So the rules have to make sense when you're doing it. (laughs) The whole point of wrestling is to make something that's unbelievable. Believable. I saw, and, and I, yeah, oh, sorry. I, go ahead. I saw. I was watching Dynamite just before we went, and I what I can't remember which match it was, but uh, the wrestler was pinned and his shoulder was up. Like, do you know how? Like sometimes he wasn't. He didn't move it up. It was just it didn't hit the mat, and you know, like so. When you have a good referee, even though he knows the spots or he or she knows the spot is supposed to happen, they typically like rub their hand underneath the guy's shoulder. Like they're supposed to actually enforce the rules and. So yeah, that's it's. I I don't know when they're not like, like I want to like don't let us see behind the the curtain that much. Like we know it's fake, but like follow the follow the fake yeah, rules. Sure. Come on, it's a bit. It's a business where one of those like where the shoulders up, we all see it and we know it's up, and you still count it. So now we know we know it's totally. Well, fake. it's like it was like one so, of the things that I watched before we kind of cut it off is like watching the uh, 
that Royal Rumble with uh, John Cena and uh, Batista when they both went over the top. And then they both kind of landed, and then Vince came out and tore both his quads. <laughs> <laughs> I watched that, like, I watched that at yeah, least three he's times. Like, yeah, Josh is doing it right now. He's doing the Vince McMahon stomp down to the ring because he's pissed off that it happened. It's like, like, who cares? All you, all you had to do was not get mad, restart the match, because they both fell perfectly at the same time. All you had to do was restart the match, and you wouldn't have had two blown-out quads. Like, what an idiot. Like... Just keep your cool. Hit, yeah, hit, hit that entrance and Titus O'Neil's entrance into the Royal oh, Rumble. Oh, yeah, beautiful. <laughs> like some of the most brutal entrances. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Gunn. Billy Gunn used to have the best slides. and He'd almost slide out the other side oh, yeah, of the ring. Yeah, for sure. He was always all the way across. But anyways, guys, we've uh, we've crossed the hour mark, which is uh, always a good thing. The banter was great, as always. And... Uh, you know what? With that being said, we're going to get ready for next week. Next week, we're going to probably have our full gear preview, get everything ready for that, talk about some of the matches that are coming up for that. But with that being said, wherever you are in the world tonight, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. We all bid you adieu. Bang. The cost of vanity, so fuck humanity. Floating murder open handedly. Most of my clique, yo, they come from broken families. This world that we know it is coming to a close. Can't find peace in a world full of soldiers. Can't stop getting all that. Up north, we're the street.